0: We need to normalize the idea of breaking up with a friend. We need to be okay with With people not liking you anymore, you know, or like, it's like hard to like figure out how to say that nicely. But like, maybe it doesn't need to be said so nicely. Like, it's okay for people to grow apart for people to figure out what their boundaries are and the things they want and don't want. And if you don't align within that, they don't align within what you want, then that's okay. And it's like, and there's so many people and experiences to have, and we don't have the time to continue to pour ourselves into a person into a relationship that hurts.
1: I want to know Yeah If you are tired of my shit Yeah Mm. Um, Something I learned this week California, population 39 million, has a larger economy than the nation of India, population (sighs) 1,366,000,000. Welcome back to Question the Self. This is Jedediah Jenkins. I'm an author and the host of this show, and this show is a question and response show based on the subjects of my book, Like Streams to the Ocean. We talk about ego, family, love, friendship, the soul, death, career, big stuff. One of the reasons I wrote Like Streams of the Ocean and I want to focus on these subjects is because, I don't know, for a lot of us, to dive deep into some of these subjects is like emotionally exhausting, and so we just don't. We'll talk about pop culture, sports, not me, but somebody, like gossip, whatever it is, other people. Because to interrogate our own motives, our own life, our own perspective is tiring. So my hope is by inviting you into these conversations with me and the people I respect most, I don't know, we'll either like help soft launch that for you or it'll just bring some fresh thoughts into the mix of your life. Today's episode is on friendship and the best person I could think of to interview for that is Lauren Paul. She is not only one of my best friends, but she is certainly the friend therapist of my entire community. She spends so much of her free time counseling those around her. It's really astonishing and a beautiful thing to witness. And she has been a key guide in my life from heartbreak to figuring out family crisis and drama to career choices. She's just a sounding board. Maybe you're that in your friend group. Maybe you can think of the person that is that. I just wanna expose you to her if you don't already know her magic. Some people know her because she's the co-founder of Kind Campaign, which really stemmed from bullying experience that she and her friend Molly Thompson experienced in their childhood, specifically girl-on-girl bullying and, and focusing in on the way young girls, middle school, high school girls and younger, talk to each other and how they were wounded by that. And they made a documentary called Finding Kind that they've toured to basically over a million kids, shown them in schools. Molly and Lauren have spoken at over 600 schools, telling their story and inviting girls into the practice of healing, of of the power of their own words and the power of asking forgiveness and the power of owning when you've done something dark, when you have been cruel and standing up for yourself and saying how something made you feel. You might also know Lauren. Her husband is a beloved actor, Aaron Paul. And I knew Lauren before they were together. So it was very fun to see him woo her and pursue her. Because, like anybody that meets Lauren, you just want more. You're just amazed by whatever the light and wisdom she has inside of her. It doesn't surprise me that she's married to a brilliant artist, an actor, because artists often really suffer from very strong emotions and her superpower is processing emotions and seeing things from 30,000 feet in the air. So, I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation. I I mean, I talk to her all day every day, so you'll just get you just get to listen in. We talk about how to break up with toxic friendships. We talk about how to cull the herd when you're in your 30s or 40s and realizing that you don't always have to accept that invitation to a coffee date. We talk about how do you find community, real kindred friendship, when you don't have one and you don't even know where to look. We talk about that, you know what, sometimes it is okay to say really hard things over text message. It's just juicy, it's good, it's rich, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Lauren. Hi. Hi. So one of the things that you are known for mm-hmm. is being the person everyone calls mm-hmm. for advice when you're going through something, when you don't know how to draft a text. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Why do you think you are that person for so many people?
0: Um, well, first of all, thank you. Cause I do take that as such a compliment. Um, and I, and I love being there for my friends and Yeah. I mean, I get so many texts in the middle of the day, just like. Anyone who's going through anything, anything.
1: they all say, (laughs) well, I've been talking to Lauren about it all day.
0: Yeah, I know it's true. Um, you know, I, that's been my thing really like since I can trace that back to like middle school and high school, I always felt like kind of like a therapist for my friends and why I guess I don't know I, I I'd say maybe it's a combination of things. I mean, maybe my friends would be the ones to ask, but I, I do think I give good advice because i I like to look at things from multiple perspectives and for me, there's always a way through something. like mm. I always approach things even in my own life, I try to approach things with like a calm, sound mind and to know that whatever a conflict is, you know, there's a human being on the other end of that with their own story, with their own feelings and, you know, really trying to approach things from that space, I feel like is important. I also just, as a human being, have always been a very even keeled kind of person. Mm -hmm. Nothing really rattles me. So I think friends feel safe to share really intense things or even just like mundane, random things. Like, how do I, how do I respond to this guy who wants to take me to dinner? Like anything from like, I'm going to quit my job to how do I respond to this text? People come to me with.
1: How do you, because I know that you have been the person to say the hard thing to someone before. Yeah. Like other people are talking about and no one has told them. And you're like, I have to tell them Mm -hmm. why, why, why can you do that when everyone else is like gossiping?
0: Yeah, I think it's scary to have hard conversations or like if someone's hurt you, for instance. I mean, with Kind Campaign, that's like one of the main themes or pieces of advice that we give that, I mean, it's so, so cliche, but just how crucial communication is. Like you can, you can communicate through everything, through literally any conflict, I think, just by approaching something in a humane way and... You know, I, I feel like we do tend, like, you know, if someone does something or says something, so many of our reactions are to go to all of our friends and to talk about it and like, oh, did you hear what she said? Did you hear what she did? And and, and that's also okay. I think it's normal and human to, like, talk to your friends Cause about things. Because you're also checking
1: to see, is this weird that totally. she said that that's or a, he said that's that? That's an okay
0: thing to do. I think um, you can feel when that becomes toxic and you're just doing it to do it. You know, if you're mm-hmm. really trying to temperature check something and you're talking through something with a friend as you're about to approach some someone, I think that's a really important thing to do.
1: Um, it is important, and I think you said that there are people who trade and gossip as a form of intimacy, like having a secret, like talking shit on someone is the way that they build intimacy, Mm -hmm. which is like, it is, it is helpful and important to do in certain circumstances, but it is also to like develop that sensitivity to, are we having this conversation to be constructive or are we having this conversation? Because that's the only conversations we ever have.
0: Yeah. And I think depending on how close you are with someone, like I could call you or call Sam. And, and again, I think it is healthy to not in a malicious way, but humans talk about things. You know, it's mm-hmm. n- not everything has Process to be so perfect and precious, but like you and I could like have a moment and be like, oh, oh my gosh, that was so annoying. That's okay. You right. know, but yeah, when you're talking about people with people who you're not super close with or who don't necessarily need to know, like you, you can feel in your gut, I think when you're, when you're doing that to to spread more gossip, not, not to be actually constructive and to solve an issue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have said hard things to very close people in my life. You know, I, I, I try and just do it out of love. I think for me, if I have the courage to, to take that moment and to do that, it it means that I really care about that person. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's definitely been situations in my life where it feels like a friendship has run its course or someone really hurt me. And, you know, maybe I just don't even care to really get into it with that person because it just feels like, you know, it's okay to move on from a relationship. But if I really do care about someone and they've done something that's kind of rubbed me the wrong way, I think it's important to sit down and and just talk about it. I mean, we're adults at this point, Mm -hmm. you know, it should be normalized to have those conversations with friends. It is, it can be really hard, but um, I would hope that someone would do that to me. Like I'm not a perfect friend and I know I've done or said things that have been, hard or frustrating or hurtful. And I would always want someone to feel safe to come to me and to tell Having me that
1: hard conversation is a sign of love is like, 100%. I, I don't want to just retreat and decide that so and so is like this. I want to have this conversation to like
0: to let them know how that felt yeah. and to acknowledge like I've been on the other side of that, you know, people, friends have definitely come to me and been, you know, told me about things that didn't feel good and and that to me is like such a compliment that that's an indicator that that person really cares about this relationship. But yeah, I don't know it's 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 a hard you know, communication and and t- taking things head on like that can be really intimidating. Um I feel like especially now the way we communicate has changed so much. Mm. I'm you know, I'm such a phone person. I love pick I like we'll pick up the phone and talk for hours if someone will have me. Um, <laughs>
1: For real, how many how many phone calls do you have a week? Or like, it's are changed you... so
0: much since having a kid. Yeah, since having a kid, I've had to boundary check myself with the amount of time that I do give to friends to be that person to like be that listener. When you ear. also need to be a mom, because I yeah, I I I'm a mother. I'm a I have a partner, my husband, and and even for me, like I I'm so. My whole life, I realized up until a couple years ago when I went through a really hard couple years, I've always just kind of ignored my own issues and just yeah. like, I'm always fine. I'm always fine.
1: <clears throat> You're always fine and worrying about someone else.
0: Yeah, and actually it was um, like kind of going off topic, but I said to a friend just with a lot of things going on and, and I had this realization I said out loud. Oh, no, I said it to Aaron. I said he, he could tell I was sad and I was like nobody ever asks me how I'm doing. And, and it's at no fault to any friend of mine. It's because I, I, I think it's a combination of always being that person that everyone comes to when and they're I,
1: not doing well.
0: Yeah. And, and not really offering up that vulnerable side of myself very mm. often. And so, and I think that comes from a lot of things, but it's been nice to kind of like cracking that part of myself open over the last couple of years. And, you know, allowing myself to seek counsel and to like tell my friends that I need help. And Mm. um, because that's what a friendship is. It's like an, it's an exchange, you know? And anyway, I don't know why I just went on that tangent, but. um, Well,
1: I think that's an important, it's an important thing to color into this conversation, which is, somebody listening might be like, I'm the friend that gives advice and they haven't yet had that breaking point where yeah. they're like, wait, I also, no one asked me how I am.
0: Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I remember people asked me that before. I remember Jason Russell asked me, he was like, do you have problems? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: And I was like,
0: yeah.
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah. But it, I mean, And I write about this in like Streams of the Ocean that like when before my book came out, I was the sickest I've ever been in my life and no doctor could figure it out. And they're pretty sure it was psychosomatic that I was so anxious
0: Mm -hmm.
1: about to shake the sleeping self coming out and maybe like dropping an atomic bomb on my family that. But I was so I'm such a problem solver in my head and always 30,000 feet away that I didn't actually realize I need to care for, my, like my body was trying to shut me down, to stop me.
0: Totally, which is yeah. Like, and you and I have talked about that, how we kind of float above ourselves and mm-hmm. like observe. And yeah, I, I've i had friends ask me the exact same thing, like over dinner with a girlfriend, like, is anything wrong in your life? Like what go, and, and <laughs> I have so many things that I struggle with and deal with. And I just realized over the last couple of years that I definitely am someone who, I guess maybe push, you know, before definitely pushed that down and and didn't really acknowledge it and didn't, again, didn't offer up that vulnerability to my friends. So it's actually been really nice. I feel like I've felt closer to my core group of friends in the last couple years because for the first time in my life, I asked for help and like called friends crying and just said, you know, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed or, you know, I'm, I'm going through a hard time and, and I just hadn't done that before. So, um, wow. yeah, but, um, but yeah, saying that going back to those hard things, I think if you can approach any conflict with a calm, sound heart and mind, you can kind of, I, I don't know, I've found you can really talk through anything, but there are also situations that don't necessarily warrant a calm, sound mind. You know, if someone mm. really does something that's not okay, that's, there's different types of situations, obviously. right? There's I mean,
1: levels of hurtfulness. Yeah, where you're of like,
0: course. And but even then, like, I don't even think if someone, you know, does something that's really hurtful that the answer is necessarily to get on the phone and scream at that person or like write some crazy text message. It's probably just that that's not a relationship for you anymore. And it might be more healthy for you to move on from that. Chapter. Well, there's
1: there's a thing that they say it on site. It's if you're hysterical, it's historical.
0: Mm, and it's
1: always like people don't just blow up people Mm -hmm. don't just scream
0: yeah
1: there is like a history there of something that built up and that triggered that explosion
0: yeah
1: if you can have like these difficult conversations with people in a calm way where you're actually trying to you're trying to love them and tell them Mm
0: -hmm.
1: the impact of their actions on you or on whoever Mm -hmm. that really is loving and I was going to say, I think one of the reasons why you probably haven't asked for help and me too, is you and I are both professional perspective takers. Mm -hmm. We like sit there and analyze. We're like, I feel this. What's the opposite feeling? Why would I feel this way? Where most people, I would say, feel their feelings so intensely, they can't think about it. They just feel. Mm -hmm. And so they come to, they come looking for perspective, but I think you and I, for whatever reason, have these instincts that we can take perspective while we're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's where the last couple of years you reached a breaking point where you were feeling so much you couldn't zoom out anymore. You were like, yeah. I'm actually in it.
0: Yeah. totally. Can someone
1: tell me what this is?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking to like what you said, that quote from onsite, I feel like it's so much of it is in just, you know, when you're approaching a conflict with a friend, with, an, with someone in your life, so much of it is really thinking about the words you choose to say, you know, as you're approaching them, really taking, like taking a breath, taking a moment to think about what's the end goal. First of all, am I approaching this person to, to continue this friendship? Am I wanting to let them know, you know, about something I'm worried about for them and and, and really look at that and, and take time with your words you know, if you feel like hot and, You know, if it feels hot and quick, it's probably, you know, take a, take a beat, um, and sit with yourself. And I feel like just being intentional about your words, being loving while being honest about what it is that's hurt you or what it is that's going on.
1: I don't know if you talk about this in kind campaign at all, or, but there I've, I've found in conflict resolution, in in having a difficult conversation with someone, it's so important. Like you say, the words you choose, whereas a behavior was this that made you feel this way rather than you are blank. You are a liar mm-hmm. versus I feel that that was untrue and it hurt because yeah. if you, you can say something to someone like you're, you're a selfish person or you're, and they will think about that for the rest of their life. Yeah. Like that label sits on you like 100%. a stink. And it's like, those words are powerful and you can say them in anger and they may never forget that. Yeah. Whereas, and I know I've seen you do this where you say i know you're a good person i know yeah. you're a good friend yeah
0: but you gotta lead with love and lead with the assumption that they're this not isn't the villain in their person. own story yeah. yeah everyone's like working with different tools whether it's their own childhood trauma their own introverted or extrovertedness their the way they communicate with friends and family and and all these things like compound on top of each other and then create a response in the in the way you handle conflict. And I think it's just important to, again, remember, there's always a person on the other end of it with their own right. set of tools. And, you know, it's, it's just so much easier. It, it, it feels so much better to have a converse, even if you are hurt to have a conversation about it, just in a, like a chill way, you know, just not to freak out on someone. It's not it, like screaming at someone, getting like super upset. Really, it's like going to just take you deeper down whatever mm-hmm. like comp like road you're on mm-hmm. but to really try and change gears and change directions yeah for sure just letting them know like i love you i know i i want to assume like you didn't mean to hurt me but you know i just have to share like this is how this felt and i'd love to like figure it out and you mm-hmm. know and sometimes you know for me i like i would like pick up the phone and talk to someone that's i feel like is not normal now and and feels like a lot. Um, but we have these great tools. Like you can actually sit at your phone and really think about what you want to say over a text, over an email, um, and take time with your words before you approach someone with them, which is like such a gift that we have that.
1: Do you think it's like unacceptable to like have a hard conversation over text or no? Like, I mean, no,
0: I think some of my hardest conversations with friends or people have been over text, not because that's necessarily how I wanted it, but because I know that's probably the best way to receive it.
1: They can consume it. Yeah, because
0: you don't you don't want to like
1: inflame.
0: Yeah, you, you want someone. Yeah, again, I, for me, I just like want to get things figured out immediately. So I'm like, let's just talk. But. I actually don't ever in thinking of like the handful of things that I've said to people that I love that, you know, were probably hard for them to hear. They were all over text Mm -hmm. because I didn't want the person to feel like I need to immediately process, you know, you're sharing something that they need to take a minute and process and you need to give them the space to digest that and figure out how they want to respond. Um, So again, I think we're really lucky to have, even though communication is like changed in some detrimental ways, I think, I think having these tools, text messages, emails, whatever, I, I think really gives us the ability to have really mindful conversations that can be mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. You never want someone to feel like attacked and being able to process a text or something like that is, is the best. a gift. Yes, for sure.
1: So we're both in our thirties and this is like a decade of refining, I think, for a lot of people, mm-hmm. where you spent your 20s collecting empire building, your group of friends finding them. Yeah. And then 30 is refining. Mm-hmm. So, how do you think about who to prioritize in terms of someone's coming through LA? Hey, let's get, let's grab a coffee and catch up. I haven't seen you in 10 years. And in the back of your mind, you're like, there's a reason I haven't seen you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. We're not getting coffee. That's two hours of my day where I'm already exhausted every day. Like, yeah. how do you think about those moments?
0: Yeah. Well, I think in your 20s when you're younger, it makes sense. And it's also, I think, healthy to be, you're exploring. You're also still very much getting to know yourself.
1: Yeah. You don't even know what, who you want to hang yeah, out with. Yeah. So
0: you're you're hanging out with different people that maybe 10 years later, you wouldn't be, you know, friends because ten years ago you were a completely different person.
1: Um, <laughs> That's why getting married is so funny in your early twenties. I'm like, you don't. You're not even going to talk to these bridesmaids.
0: I was 26.
1: Oh well, you you, you chose pretty well. <laughs> but
0: you know what? I did. T- I was actually talking to one of our best friends. Just got engaged a couple of days ago, and I was telling her cause she was already talking to me about like guest list things. And I was telling her I was like, you're so lucky to be getting married at the age you're at because I mean, I look back at my wedding. I actually. I wouldn't,
1: if you I could have,
0: it. yeah, it was perfect. I wouldn't take out anyone. There's just, it's crazy to me that there weren't people in my wedding like you, for right. instance, that you weren't <laughs> standing next to me is insane, but our relationship changed so much yeah. in the last decade. Um, you know, which, you know, I know myself so much more and like you're my person at that, mm-hmm. you know, we weren't at that stage yet, but I was telling her, how lucky she is because, you know, there's definitely like a handful of people, more than a handful of people that if we were to get married now, wouldn't be invited to our wedding. Not because we don't like the person, but because at this stage in life, you just, you kind of know who your people yeah. are. And there's a there's a group of people that are lifelong friends of mine now that <laughs> weren't even there.
1: Wow, um, that's so true. Yeah,
0: like Vanessa wasn't there. Isn't that
1: crazy?
0: Oh my gosh. Um, Soph wasn't there. Julianne wasn't there. Um, But, and I was, so I was telling her, this is such a cool time to get married because you are at this phase in your life where you don't, she was already stressing about people that she's like, I don't know if we're like that close anymore. Like, I feel like they'd be bummed if they weren't invited and I stopped her. I was like, if you're even asking that question at 34, (laughs) multiply that by like 10, even in four years, like that's how much farther apart you're going to drift from that person. You know, like you're at this point in your life where, or she's at this point where we've already kind of, we're far enough away from like college and early to mid twenties where there's relationships that kind of linger even into your early thirties. And now it's like, especially after the last year with COVID being home, I feel like we've all had this opportunity to really see like, who, who are your people? You know, if you, if you made a point to connect with people during that time, that's a pretty good indicator that like, that's your person, you know? Um, But I was just telling you, like you will look back in 10 years because you're getting married when you are in your (laughs) your mid thirties you'll probably be able to look back at your wedding photos in 10 years and be like every single person at my wedding, I would invite now. It's my lifelong. Yeah. Maybe there'd be a couple more that you'd add to the shuffle, like new relationships, but you probably wouldn't say like, Oh, I wish that person wasn't there. Yeah.
1: Um, I love that. It's which so is amazing
0: because I think in your thirties, you, again, you really um, not to say like, I completely know myself and have it all figured out, but I, I'm at this chapter of life where I do feel like I know I know my soul and my spirit in a way that I didn't in my 20s. I like myself. You know, I feel confident in ways that I didn't before. And when you feel that, I feel like you attract I don't know, you just attract more like-minded people. But yeah, I don't even know if I answered your well, question. Well, yeah, I'm but just wondering like how do
1: you is it just that person coming through town? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. do you okay. think about that? Or does that happen to you where people are trying totally. to get coffee yeah, and you're like the you're coffee like...
0: date, whatever. I, I feel like I used to get so much more in my head about like, I'd automatically feel bad if I didn't want to do that. And I would bend over backwards to figure it out and be like, yeah, let, let let's do that coffee or we'll do that dinner, whatever. And I feel like just, again, as you get older, for me in particular, having a child now, and you know, as you get older, work and life and whatever everything I feel like we just don't have the time to invest at least for me I don't feel like I have the time to invest in those like fringe relationships and again it doesn't mean that I don't like the person or like value you know whatever that relationship looked like at one time but I think it's okay to it's okay to not even like sit there and feel like you need to make excuses at this point you just can't go You know, I, I can't, I'm, you know, I'm busy. It doesn't mean you have to tell them it's because you don't really want to be friends with them, (laughs) but like, it's okay to just, if in your gut, it feels like work, then it is. And you don't want relationships and friendships to be work. It should feel light and natural and fun. And, and I definitely, and this is another like beautiful thing I think that's come out of this crazy time we've all been in is that I feel like that won't be as normal as it was before just to like randomly reach out to people you see once a year and like expect that you need to spend serious time with that person because they're in town for a couple of days. It's like, I don't know. I, I've definitely let go of that pressure that I put my put on myself to like always show up, to always be there, to, to always give my time to someone that isn't really in my life.
1: I'm trying to, like we were saying about the power of language, I'm trying to understand that because I know someone doesn't mean they're my friend.
0: I think we need to, and when I say we, like you and me, all of us need to be more comfortable with the idea that we're not for everyone. Like it's okay. If someone doesn't want to be friends with you anymore, don't like, it's hard to not take that personally. I understand that. Like, yeah. If one of my friends was like, yeah, I'm, done being friends with you like that. Yeah. That's like a lot, but there are so many people in the world and so many different personalities and it's, and like, we're constantly evolving and changing and it's okay. If, if someone isn't down with your energy, I mean, it feels a little harsh, but
1: well, or it's not even always that they're not down with your energy. It's that they've got a circle of friends that by the time they've properly invested in each one it's time to circle back around you've already you've got eight you've got ten you've got four whatever it is Mm -hmm. and to like keep adding people to the mix is doing a disservice to the depth of intimacy you actually have with your community so Mm -hmm. to con I mean I know I I spread myself very thin and I that's something I used to do really badly in my 20s and I've gotten much better at it but I think it's for me it's If I have not prioritized someone, it doesn't mean I don't think super fondly of them.
0: And you know what, it's an indicator that you're closer with yourself than you were before because you know at this stage in life, you can't be that friend to that person anymore. Mm. And again, like you said, it doesn't mean that that's a person's not an amazing human being in their own way, but for you, you're more grounded, you're more present and aware of your boundaries, your space, your time. And for me at this stage in life, I'm like, I want to be able to be a really good friend to my friends. And if you are just like sprinkling yourself, giving your time and energy to not only your close friends, but every like kind of friend in your life too, you can't really be, you can't be an amazing friend to like, to the people who are your people. I don't know if it's age. It's probably, yeah, it's probably time, you know, age plus the last couple years uh, um, and obviously how differently social situations have looked with COVID and everything, but I've definitely, and I think even prior to this last year, I noticed, I, I definitely don't get as many, like, let's grab coffee thing, you know, date, like, let's, let's go grab coffee. or like, do you want to go g- yeah. get, dinner? you know, from the people that you're like, yeah, no, I actually would love to see you, but I just can't anymore. Yeah, that's you know? interesting. Yeah. And and I think. It's I think that's probably a beautiful thing that just happens with age and time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: I think you're right. I'm realizing like
0: that- I, I don't have as many moments where I'm like, Oh, like how do I respond? Like I, I, I actually love this person, but I just, you know, we've just like grown apart and yeah, I don't have all night to just like hang with someone who's not really in my life anymore.
1: Yeah. I,
0: I, it's actually few and far between that I find myself in that situation now at 34. Whereas even five years ago, you know, like in my 20s, I feel like I was constantly in that situation. Yeah, me too. And again, it's not that I didn't love the person, but I would allow myself to spread myself so thin. And I don't think you're supposed to have that many good <laughs> friends. Like, it's, it's, and I've found so much more value in my relationships, in my conversations with my core group of people by like really honing in on who my, my like soul friends are and giving my time really to those people.
1: How do you find friends? Like what, what if you moved at age 34 to Seattle or somewhere where you don't know anybody, like what would you do? How do you find a soul friend? If you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a community to whittle down.
0: That is something like the idea of someone feeling really lonely is probably, that's like the thing that crushes my soul more than anything. I think it's part of why I started Kind Campaign just like that person in the room that isn't seen. And there are so many people that feel that way who, yeah, really don't feel like they have a strong community. I talk to girls about that all the time. Um, you know, when we're doing our assemblies and whatnot, I think that question is harder to answer for someone who's younger. Cause I, well, when you're younger, your friends are really like in the proximity of like where you are, you're in school, you're on <laughs> soccer, the soccer team, and you're kind of limited to this, building, you know, of people, middle right. school and high school, especially. And a lot of times I think back on like middle school and high school, I had so many friendships that were really hurtful and and hard and because, but that is your entire world at that point. And mm-hmm. it's so hard to see outside of those school hallways and to know there's so many chapters ahead with, you know, people as you grow older with that will be more like-minded that, you know, this the drama that you might be dealing with in, in school with your friends that definitely shifts and change in a changes in a positive way as you get older. I think, you know, for me in college, I, like some of my closest friends are from, I went to Pepperdine and you know, the mm-hmm. people that I met there and then post school and, you know, into adulthood, I don't know. I feel, I look at my life and I think I can, I can really trace all of my closest like, soul friends to both college and, um, and mountain film in, in Telluride, which is this documentary film festival that people from all over kind of gather in this little mountain town to just, like, have conversations about huge social issues, environmental issues, and watch documentaries. And But everyone that I know that went to that place made a choice to go there prior to really knowing each other because they were interested in something taking place there. I went there because I loved documentary film and I was working on a documentary with Tom and I had this idea of, you know, getting into that space or doing something, you know, in in the nonprofit world. And, um, and then it automatically put me in this room or in these rooms and in the, in this town with, you know, people like you and Vanessa and Cameron mm-hmm. and Kenny, you know, all these people that will be in my life forever because we were all there kind of with a common interest. And so I think, you know, as an adult, you know, you kind of know the things you're into. And if you find yourself, um, in those spaces, hopefully you, you meet like-minded people
1: there. I I talk about this in like streams of the ocean. I call it gravity points. It's Mm -hmm. like, find a gravity point that lures someone like you towards it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, one of my best friends from college, Pablo, oh my God, iconic man, Pablo Del Olmo. This is years ago now. I, I haven't asked him recently, but he, he had like five best friends mm. who were from all over the world because they play Warcraft yeah. all the time and they play together on their headset and they hang out all night
0: mm-hmm. talking
1: and they know everything about, cause they're just like, I don't know, building a wall or killing a goblin and talking about their lives. Yeah. And they were best friends. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, the, com- actually the community through gaming is like so cool. I like know. and it it really creates <clears throat> a space for, you know, introverted people, people who don't, you know, have a hard time going out in public mm-hmm. to like have friends all over the world. I actually, um, do you remember that, that, um, pokemon go. like weird thing that was happening where everyone was like outside <laughs> on their phones i was in we were living in new york at the time and i was taking a walk in central park and um and it was like at the height of that and there were thousands this will this will go back to friendship but there were thousands of people in central park like going crazy just like catching with their Pokemon. phones catching pokemons and i remember walking in i was like this is like an episode of the walking dead like what is right. happening right or a now black mirror yeah and i was freaked out i'm also like not you know i'm like not tech savvy my phone's always dead i just like don't get it right anything <laughs> <laughs> and um and i remember i on my instagram story i made kind of a sarcastic comment about it i like took a picture and i you know it was like Said something Into the like, world or something. yeah yeah i was like wow this is crazy dismal this is horrible and this girl direct messaged me and i happened to see it and she said you know i just want you to like i want to offer a different perspective on this and first of all let you know that that kind of like bummed me out that you said that which broke my heart um But I was like, so again, going back to like being able to say things to people, even to a stranger, like she said it really kindly rather than like some internet troll freaking out. She was like, hey, I just want, you know that. Anyway. um, And she said, I want to offer a different perspective. Like I, I suffer from severe anxiety. It's really hard for me to make friends. I rarely go out into public and things like Pokemon go or gaming and, and those communities has have like created a community for me and all of my best friends really exist within that space. I might not ever meet them face to face, but like, those are my relationships. I was like, Oh my God, thank you so much for opening my mind to that world. Because it's like nothing that I know and her relationships, you know, are just as deep and valid as, you know, mine you know seeing you sitting here with you face to face like she acknowledged like I might not be doing that with my friends but like these are my people um and she was just saying how that game had like introduced her to all these cool people um because it encouraged her to go out into the world like it was the one of the first times through like a gaming thing that she like went out and would like see other people doing it and like have a little conversation and anyway so there's so many different ways to connect with people obviously and going back to that gravity point, you know, like really leaning into the things that you love, and continue to continuing to do that because it will surround you with people who are also into those things. I also think work can be a really great place to, to meet friends. My sister is a perfect example of that. Like she, oh, she first of all is like just like loves working, is always killing it at her job, and she always finds like such a strong community of friends wherever she's working and so yeah, yeah.
1: I miss that's a, that, that's a caliber of relationship that I don't really have because yeah. I'm a writer yeah I miss the co-worker because it's like mm-hmm. it's someone that you didn't choose to see every day and mm-hmm. but you know everything about them and they might be so weird they might be so annoying they might be so mm-hmm. eccentric mm-hmm. and you can like get to know their ticks, and you can like laugh and maybe you're happy that they stay at work and they don't come to your house yeah but there's like a Caliber to that type of funny friendship that yeah. I like miss. I really miss. Totally. Okay, I want to play you this amazing question. Let's hear from a listener. Hi, Jididiah. Uh, I am Faiz, and and I want to ask you a question.
0: Uh, how you handle uh toxic uh friends? Uh, in your life? Uh, I mean, uh, I have uh, a friend uh, who is, um, I think he is a narcissistic person. Uh, so how to end, How to handle the friends uh, who is
1: a narcissistic? Thank you, Jet. I love you.
0: I love you too. <laughs> and that is such an important question and something that I hear constantly through my work with Kind Campaign and it's interesting it's like we need to normalize the idea of breaking up with a friend so many people have relationships have friendships and you live through a certain chapter of your life with this friend and then cut to five years later you're you know going down different paths or one of you is changing dramatically and that friendship doesn't quite fit anymore and it feels like work or maybe like he said the relationship or the person feels toxic and and I think it's interesting how, like, obviously common and normal it is in in an intimate relationship, in a romantic relationship. Like, we're constantly breaking up with people, you know, and it's like you don't even question that. Yeah. But this idea that you have to be friends with someone forever just because you were Who's friends abusive, at one yeah. yeah, just because you were friends at one point, you know, specifically for a relationship that feels abusive or toxic, it's important to get out of that. And it, and it can be hard. It can be scary. Um,
1: I think the same reason that a lot of people stay in abusive or toxic romantic relationships is because deep down, they don't feel lovable. So mm-hmm. they're like, this is the best love I can get. And it hurts. But, but it's what I got. And I'm afraid of being alone.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I'd rather have the devil I know than the devil I don't. And I think people in friendships, like if you have really... Good friendships in your life, you don't tolerate trash yeah. friends. Yeah. I remember I had very abusive friends until I met a girl sophomore year of high school named Lauren Gardner. And she was so kind to me. And I didn't even, I was the butt of every joke in my group, friend group, mm-hmm. all of middle school into high school. Like, yeah. And I was just like, ha ha ha. I didn't know that people could be nice, I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. And she was funny and she was kind. And she would, we would sit in her Nissan Pathfinder and listen to Radiohead. And I was like, this is the way friendship can be. I had mm-hmm. no idea. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: And so oh. I feel like, A, I hope you have good friends in your life that you can lean on and know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And B, being a good friend, I believe, attracts good friends. Mm-hmm. and And loving yourself enough to know you deserve boundaries and not to be mistreated. Mm-hmm. And you deserve good friends, I think that you become a gravity point to goodness to mm-hmm. some degree
0: mm-hmm. totally and I think when you when you reach that point in a relationship where you know it's kind of run its course, it's important to remember that it doesn't need to be drama. you don't need to talk about a bunch of pe- talk to a bunch of people about it, just like recognizing that that friendship served a purpose. you probably both learned and and grew in in different ways, whether it was you know, what you want in a friendship or what you don't want in a friendship and being okay to walk away from that relationship, like thank it for what it's taught you and to, and to move forward. I think, I think it's hard because when you think about an intimate relationship, you know, a lot of people stay in that because you're connected by sex, you're connected by finances, you're connected by um you know the idea of like not wanting to be alone and and having you know the comfort of of companionship whereas breaking up with a friend you're basically like the person on the receiving end of that because those connections aren't a part of a friendship but you you you're friends with someone just because you're like I like you right and and hearing or realizing a friendship has kind of run its course it, it I can understand that it would be hard not to take that personal to be like oh this is because you don't like me anymore it's like it's it actually is really personal but that goes back to what i was saying before like we need to be okay with with people not liking you anymore you know or like it's like hard to like figure out how to say that nicely but like maybe it doesn't need to be said so nicely like it's okay for people to grow apart for people to figure out what their boundaries are and the things they want and don't want and if you don't align within that they don't align within what you want and then that's okay. And it's like, and there's so many people and experiences to have, and we don't have the time to continue to pour ourselves into a person, into a relationship that hurts.
1: And I would, I would loop this back to our earlier conversation around having hard conversations, which is, if this really is one of your best friends and it's someone you really care about and you realize you haven't ever had a hard conversation, you just feel like you're covered in scars that you Mm -hmm. hide you should have that conversation. If you love them, Totally, you should. But yeah. if you've tried that
0: mm-hmm. and
1: you've had those conversations and they don't get it, that is a truly toxic person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you should feel completely confident and sure of a decision to walk away from that relationship. And it doesn't mean that it won't be hard or maybe awkward at first, but you will recover and you will find new people and you have to just know that you will be better off without that relationship. If 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 that is the type of relationship it is, I I agree. Like if you're if this is someone you want to keep in your life and you feel like, you know, there there's a salvageable relationship here, then have that conversation. And like we were saying earlier, you know, do it with love and and let them know what they mean to you and and why it's important that you communicate this with them because you want to, you know, grow deeper in your friendship and and to be to remain close. Yeah.
1: Well, Lauren, I'm glad you're my friend. I love you. I'm glad we found each other in this life.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Molecules in the universe. (sighs) Well, friendship rules.
0: It's the best.
1: Um, Okay, bye.
0: is amelia and i have a question um my lease is coming up in november and i'm kind of planning on quitting my job and like i don't know backpacking somewhere warm or just trying something totally different because this nine to five shit is driving me insane and there's no way i want to do this for the rest of my life and i can't seem to like find anything else you know entrepreneurial that will work for me so if i just like fuck off into the world is that like a horrible idea? Like, is, is that going to, am I going to die? Like, what? Is that a terrible idea? Or is that an okay idea? I'm, I'm just wondering.
1: <laughs> I fucking love the energy of this question. Amelia, you are so dope. You might die, but you also might die going to your nine to five. Fucking off to a big adventure. D- very much depends on what the adventure is. Because if you're backpacking or going to stay at hostels or like living in a cabin on a mountain or moving to Bali, like that's not very dangerous. If you're like hiking alone across Antarctica, which technically is considered fucking off, it's very dangerous. But I think there's a lot of ways to experience a big adventure as a season or a transitional season of life where you can feel totally safe. It's just about changing the environment and stepping out of the routine that feels like death. I would suggest saving up money and prioritizing a season of this. I mean, give yourself six months even, give yourself a year, go travel somewhere, go live somewhere even, and intentionally try to figure out various ways that you could make a living in a way that feels more productive, more productive to your spirit, more connected to why you're on this planet i mean i talk about this a lot on this show i'm realizing that figuring out why we're here and what we're here to bring is such a a mission of everyone and yet we still need people who build bridges and pave roads and do you know do things that sometimes you can bring something important to the table and you're not going to love it every day even if you have some job that's considered a passion job everybody hates their job eventually. When you turn even a hobby or something you love into a job that is what you have to do to make money, it removes some. Of, it removes the fantasy from it and, and turns it into something tedious. And that's just, the, that's human nature. That's our obsession with novelty. And so I think, especially if you don't have kids or a spouse or a mortgage, if, if you're in that season of life, this is the perfect time to fuck off a little bit highly recommend it changed my life but I used my it I used my quitting my job and in my adventure with the intention of a reset and I didn't know I knew I wanted to try writing but I didn't know if it would work you know what I'm saying I, I knew I would travel for about a year and then write a book for about a year and if it just didn't work okay well I'm still young enough I can go back to what I was already doing or I can try something new I'm the ship hasn't sailed on what could come for me and it hasn't sailed for you either or for anyone really to be honest so this is this is a pro fuck off podcast that's all for this week thank you lauren i think lauren's gonna be a regular guest because she's so good at advice i want to bring her more questions and process more hard things with her um see you next week